Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons from magical madness to musing musicians. And today we're talking about metallic dragons. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. <laughs> it's the Year of the Dragon. It's the Year of the Dragon. The Hashtag the YOTD. Indeed. Let's go. All right. These ones are made of metal. These ones are made of metal, yeah. So we're going to... We've already talked about the five major metallic dragons, which were... Aluminium. Um, no. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, copper, bronze, silver, gold, and I'm forgetting one, brass, mm. um, which are all really cool dragons, really popular dragons. I but remember there are enjoying other that episode. Dragons. Yeah, me too. Um, and they were all kind of based off precious metals. Uh, a lot of the ones we're going to talk about today are really mundane metals. We're going to talk about the <laughs> stupid steel, metals. Stupid metals. <laughs> no, no. I actually think a lot of dragons we're going to talk about today are cool. But we're going to talk about the steel dragon, mercury dragon, iron dragon, uh, the cobalt dragon, and we're going to talk about the mithril dragon, which is not a mundane metal. Like it's okay. super magical. Almost like you said, cobalt dragon. No, cobalt dragon. Yeah, but, um, like, that's redundant. It is redundant. <laughs> um, I was going to include the adamantine and orium dragon, but for reasons I'll get to at the end of the episode, we're saving those along with a few other dragons I discovered along the way for like an esoteric dragon episode, like an exotic dragon episode. These are dragons from like really obscure sources made up by one dude. And one edition, they just happen to be canon. D&D and you filed them in their miscellaneous exactly. cabinet. Miscellaneous dragons. Yeah. There we go. So there's enough to cover an episode. Indeed. There, yeah, there's okay. more than enough. There's more than what we're going to talk about today. Nice. That'll be like an eight dragon episode. Oh, what? <laughs> Today's okay. a five dragon episode. Five dragons. So That's one of my favorite animes. It's Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> on motorcycles. Five Ds. God, Let's go. sounds horrifying. Lots of horrifying to me. It's so good. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, so, so when it comes to these dragons, some of them had multiple... Um, resource books uh, across the editions. Like Still and Mercury have been around since second edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of books I could look up that were all fairly cohesive and had the same lore. From the long ago? From the, the long, long ago. ago. 
Others had multiple sources that were just completely conflicting. The Cobalt Dragon being one where it's like there was a Dragon magazine that had the Cobalt Dragon. Okay. And then there was the Draconomicon in fourth edition that also had it. And they were just completely different monsters. I was going to say, is the Draconomicon like an undead dragon exclusive? No, no. The okay. Draconomicon is just a book about dragons. <laughs> okay. Um, and then there were others, uh, only one that we're including today that only had one source. The Mithril Dragon only had one source. Um, but we're still going to talk about it. Um, and then there was others that only had one obscure source that we're going to leave for another day. Okay. But let's just get into it. We should. So we're going to start with Steel Dragons. All right. So in Forgotten Realms, Steel Dragons are also known as Waterdeep Dragons. Oh, um, wow. But okay. I think calling them City Dragons or People Dragons would also be appropriate because cities are where they live and it's to be immersed and surrounded by humanoids and their culture. Okay. Um, they tend to spend 90% of their entire lives polymorphed as humanoids. Sweet. So, yeah. When in their natural form, uh, Steel Dragons actually look pretty cool. So they have this live, sleek look with scales, the color and complexion, and texture of burnished steel. Okay. Um, they tend to be one of the smaller species um, of true dragons, maybe uh, bigger than the yellow, but um, smaller than most of the others. Maybe about as small as the white. Okay. Um, still very big. Still, oh, yeah. It's a dragon. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. And they're they're... Heads are kind of small too, and they're just they're just the, kind of the, this skinny small dragon. But they have the these sword like blades um, on their on their heads and on their elbows. Oh shit! And their wings are actually these overlapping blades, like oh, uh, fucking they, like the Pokemon, like Skarmory, like Skarmory. the Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, I literally like, have here like Skarmory <laughs> on my notes. Less like a turkey, more like a dragon. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And uh, and their chest scales are like these thick, large shield like like breastplate scales for sure they look really cool part of the reason i think skarmory is so terrifying is because i can't quite identify what type of bird it's based off of that's a good point <laughs> i have no idea what it is it cool. looks like a bird of prey for sure though oh yeah but that's what's scary about it it's like it's definitely <laughs> dangerous because it's made of swords but yeah like, exactly yeah and uh, as as a skarmory the steel dragon is kind of made of swords yeah like so. real good I mean, most swords are steel. Is that a true? Is that a true thing I said? Um, yes, yes, it yeah, is a very sure. true thing. So yeah. it's made of swords. <laughs> so uh, another thing about their physical uh, characteristics that's noted is steel dragons in their dragon form are noted to have exceptionally expressive faces. Okay. Um, some say almost human-like. Now, Ooh. when you look at the images, they don't look human-like, but I imagine just the way they move, the way they probably smile and move their eyes and eyebrows, it's human-like. So they look like a Pixar character. Like, they look um, like a Pixar character. They there look we like go. Lightning they McQueen, look like but yeah, a dragon. Exactly. Okay. There you go. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, when living among humanoids, still dragons will disguise themselves as one of the local species, but they'll always leave a singular indicator of their true form and their appearance. It's just kind of part of the dragon pride thing. So, like, the like uh, a steel dragon in disguise might have steel gray eyes, or like oh, nice. a streak of like dark gray hair. Oh, cool. Or, okay. you know, some, some indicator or maybe like a tattoo of a steel dragon on his back <laughs> or something. It's, I just like leave my form on my back. It's like it has exactly, to be there for my body yeah. to remember it in tattoo it's, form. They always leave some sort of indicator. Wow. Um, as a general rule, steel dragons are incredibly social, uh, very clever, very witty, and very curious. Mm. Um, they find themselves to be endlessly fascinated by the various cultures, histories, and societies of the world, and thus find it highly preferential to dwell amongst the humanoids instead of alone or among their own kind. So you might find the humanoid version of a steel dragon like in town, like his being a historian or something like that. Yeah, that's actually one of the, they they would disguise themselves as scholars. Yeah. Nice. Okay. They um so yeah, when they when they 
get into uh, kind of disguising themselves amongst the community, they really get into the thick of it. Like they'll set up shop in like the biggest city they can find and they'll get involved in like businesses and they'll deal with people. They'll become shop makers, innkeepers, bankers, scholars, kind of like what you just said. Okay. Um, so generally like a positive, like forward moving person in society. They're about progressing society. Nice. Okay. They're about society and they want to see it flourish. They get involved in politics and we'll kind of get into that. Oh, weird. They'll, in a place like Waterdeep, that gets really like... Yeah, Waterdeep a weird weird one because of the mask lords and all that yeah. stuff yeah oh, i look forward to doing a water deep episode me too because that's something that once we get through all the planes i do want to move on to some of the famous like cities in D&D. Yeah. so like the city of sigil water deep never winter um, i like never winter a lot it just like if i was going to pick a setting like water deep is like really grabs my attention because yeah it, it's it, a it's a cool it's one of the more unique uh, things that have come out of Forgotten Realms, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's like a very mm-hmm. prestigious, like well known, you know, very muscular city, but mm-hmm. it's also like super dark and seedy. There's yeah, lots of really creepy things going on all the time. Yeah, really yeah, cool. definitely. Another another famous city from Forgotten Realms is Baldur's Gate. Okay, which will probably get its own episode as well. Neverwinter, uh, Metropolis, Waterdeep, Gotham City. Right, yeah, <laughs> I that's how I that. feel about sure, it. Sure, yeah. Um, so, Still Dragons will even go as far as to forging entire fake histories and like family lines to maintain the illusion of their identity. Nice. Like they'll really they're extra smart. So yeah, it they're super they method actors. Um, yeah. So still dragons tend to live on the chaotic side of the alignment chart. Okay. <laughs> like that personal freedom is incredibly important to them above all else. Um, and they have an extinctual tendency to challenge or rebel against authority and law. Um, they're kind of like super libertarian. Okay. <laughs> you know, just like, let me do what I want. Let the law stay out of it. Like one day they're, they're as like, as long as I'm not hurting nobody. Yeah. They're like in the stock market, just like killing it or whatever. Just yeah, like definitely. Yeah. Up. Super hyper capitalistic for, for justice. For justice. <laughs> um, they actually, uh, they, they heavily involve themselves in their community politics and when things aren't running like how they want, they'll even go as far as to spark a political revolution. <laughs> okay, great. Like they'll, they'll lead the revolution. They don't give a <laughs> shit. They're great. The meddlers. Dude, um, yeah, they would, are they are meddlers. I would that's hate for sure. to find out someday yeah. that that person what like what oh, no matter yeah. what the change was, I'd be like, hey, what the fuck? Like right. you don't. Although really there belong. could be a really good argument that like I, that's an understandable thing, but that still dragon might have been living amongst the community for a thousand years. He's more a citizen of that city than your entire family line. I guess that's absolutely <laughs> correct. That's, like that's hard to argue. That is very difficult. <laughs> I don't. I find that's, myself swayed. Uh, <laughs> that's good. So um, their distaste for tyranny and the law puts them at odds, not just with like chromatics and evil creatures, but they actually have serious issues with gold dragons. Because oh. gold dragons are always telling people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they're the paladins of the dragon world. Right. And so, you know, they always think they're right. And, you know, they're very lawful good. And they just really rub steel. Well, they the like directly way. work for Bahamut, right? A lot of times they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they're, they're the they, chummiest with their deity. They feel yeah. like they can back their their talk. Yeah, and oh yeah, I guess that's another thing to talk about since you brought up Bahamut is um, in the first Metallic Dragons episode, we talked about how the Metallics are really beholden to their king Bahamut and whatnot. Okay. These dragons that we're talking about today, most of them have fucking nothing to do with Bahamut. Like, much like in our second Chromatic Dragons episode, those dragons had nothing to do with Tiamat. Same with these guys. Yeah, so like the main Metallics... 
do. Yeah, typically. just like the main chromatics have to do with their queen, but the, okay. the these sub ones they just not related, not necessarily good in any way, and definitely not necessarily lawful. Okay, sweet. Um, That's as, interesting. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the first two dragons we're talking about today are probably the only good ones, and the oh. last three are not good dragons. And they're on the chaotic side, so it's good from us like a certain standpoint. Well, like yeah, I mean, they're good from a certain standpoint, but um, also just good in a way that good dragons usually aren't. Most good dragons are usually lawful. Interesting. But yeah. By the so. way, I have a skewed perspective of Bahamut because it's the only it's like one of the only good deities we've ever talked about. On I the know. Show. We really got to do some more good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, yeah, there's so much evil. But then the light of Bahamut. And that's like all I can think about yeah. when I try to reference good. Look, Bahamut's also super dope. Yeah. Well, even do. after we did Mount Celestia, Bahamut was there. Bahamut was, was like, there. Oh, he okay. was super there. Um, <laughs> we'll. Um, we're going to do a Coral on Lorethian episode, but he he's a very good deity, yeah, but he's, he's also a very deity. complex deity. And I hate elves. He, there's some shades of gray with him. Um, <laughs> Coralon's cool, though. But anyways, sure. back to dragons. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, like I said, when, when Steel Dragons decide to live as humanoids, they kind of go the full mile, like like I said, with the whole fake histories and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll, like, they go the full... They're the real deal. They okay. care about the community. Nice. Like they'll form lifelong bonds with their neighbors. By lifelong, I mean the the li- the, the entire life. lives of their neighbors <laughs> because the steel drag is going to live a thousand fucking yeah, years. Yeah, they're going to watch you grow up and die before they even like age significantly. Exactly. But they'll be great neighbors along the way. Um, they'll eat exclusively humanoid cuisine. Um, their layers aren't like dragon layers. Their layers are their fucking houses. <laughs> yeah, it's full of ornate swords. Sure, yeah. Um, and adorn the walls. Now, the houses are... Ceiling to floor. The houses will be magically protected and trapped. Oh, like Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, very much like Harry Potter. Fucking yeah. you live next door to Harry Potter. Shit. Yeah, kind of. And he um, always gives you sugar. <laughs> and it's like, no matter how much you ask for, he's got it. <laughs> he's always at the town meetings trying to lead the town to a better light. All his cupboards um, are portals to like just pantries full of the one thing. Rather than hoard treasure, they do hoard treasure. Let's stop there. They do hoard some treasure. They're dragons. They're not going to not hoard treasure. Well, like in their ba- the safe in their basement. Exactly. They'll do it in the vault in their basement, which right. is where they, they'll keep their hoard. But the real hoard is steel dragons will invest heavily into property and businesses in the city. <laughs> so that's, that's their real hoard. My, my hoard is this lease. Is this parchment? Right, exactly. <laughs> Representing that that structure. Okay. Exactly. I own this um, hospital. No, this they will. Mine. Of course, they're going to collect art pieces and books and antiques and all that and keep that in the vault, magic items. But yeah, so I just thought that was a cool fun fact. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is stated that steel dragons will keep a secondary traditional lair outside of the city if shit really breaks bad. But for the most <laughs> they're part, they're fucking that safe house. They're like vacation yeah. bunker. Yeah. They'll just grab the vault, turn into a dragon and fly away. <laughs> so they have another house up in the hills somewhere with like yeah. a hole dug out for them to like drop the vault in and bury. Basically. Well, like, I'll yeah. dig that out later. Basically. I'm a fucking dragon. So uh, I'm basically a shovel. I'm made of steel. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, steel dragons are generally nonviolent. Um, they prefer to negotiate instead of fight, but they are combat capable. I mean, they're a fucking dragon. Um, they they're made re- of swords. They're made of swords, but they rely primarily on their spells and breath attacks um, and avoid melee at all costs. Mm. Remember, remember, they are small for dragons. Okay. Um, they have two breaths. They have an acid line breath and a cloud of poison. Um, they tend to be highly resistant to magic as well because of, I guess, the idea is like they're kind of made of steel. Okay. So yeah. They're just naturally armored. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of most spells are energy based to like deflecting that shit. In a lot of additions, um, having a shield is actually really good for like deck saves. Okay. Um, I believe there's a feat in fifth edition that kind of does the same thing. I'll have to look at it. Mm. We'll have to do an episode on feats. But, um, but yeah, so like uh, uh, 
steel shield. They're kind of made of being a steel shield. So yeah, it's kind of how that works, I guess. Shield. Yeah, exactly. Other dragons carry me into battle on their arm <laughs> as a buckler. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely small enough. Um, also, steels have a natural spellless charm ability, so they can just charm people. They can just okay. do that. Kind of like. Kind of like a succubi. I okay, guess. for sure. But a good hearted one. He's not trying to seduce you necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> uh, next, next, next. Okay, so any questions about steel dragons before we move on? Uh, no, I got to wash my brain. Okay. I had bad thoughts. Okay. So next we're going to talk about mercury dragons. Okay. Mercury uh, dragons? Mercury dragons. Like, yeah. the, the, like the the substance mercury? Yeah, like, like the, the metal. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, like mercury. I'm going to fly over your town and make everybody sick. Um, no, not really. Um, speaking of sickness, though, one thing you will note about all the dragons we're going to talk about today, and just dragons in general, is they all kind of have a form of mental illness. Like oh. the steel dragons, kind of have this unhealthy obsession with humanoids. Oh, to the more bo- to like almost like it's obsession, really. Okay, steels have. Um, but their their whole thing is a little less obvious than some of the others we're going to talk about today. The mercury dragons are kind of insane, but they're good. But they're kind of crazy. They have mercury poisoning. I guess so. So mercury dragons are whimsical. They're mercurial, as their name would imply. And uh, at times, they're very erratic creatures. They delight in the unpredictable, and they're apt to change their minds on a whim. They're kind of like fae creatures in that way. Sure. Um, furthermore, they're fast at everything they do, both physically and mentally. Oh, okay. Like, they are uh, theoretically the fastest dragons, besides maybe yellows, like flight-wise. Oh, shit. Um, and on top of it... Like, also, they can do math much quicker than you. Probably. They're that kid in class that's flipping over their times table sheets. He's working on the 12s. Like I guess a so. In. Yeah, sure. Sure. Like, oh, fuck. Um, but mentally, they're moving at kind of a million miles per hour as well. Is that like Quicksilver's power set where he doesn't just move quickly? He also thinks quickly? Yeah. Well, he exists in the space of being fast. Right. And so everyone's just so goddamn slow to him. And that's how they explain why he's such a fucking dick in the Yeah, because he has to wait for you constantly. Yeah. He- it seems like he can kind of um, like shift between those things, right. those states of mind. Well, I think there's a comic book where he's explaining to somebody on the X-Men or maybe one of the Avengers where he's like, you know, that feeling when you're behind someone at the ATM and they don't know how to use the ATM and they're just taking forever and they have to keep starting over. That's every moment of my life with you people. So, yeah, I love I love X-Men, I love Quicksilver. But we're not talking about Quicksilver. We're talking about Mercury. Dragons. Well, I'm a, I brought it up because it sounds like they, they will have some of that issue. I guess kind of in, in, a, in, a, in a certain way. They're not nearly as grouchy, but okay. they can be, actually, which we're going to talk about. So, like the Steel Dragon, Mercury Dragons are on the smaller end of the dragon size chart. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this sleek serpentine build with a very small frame. Okay. Um, and they have a barely distinguishable scales that shine really bright like mirrors. Okay. Um, even Sweet. when you're close up, it's like the lines of the scales are very faint. They look like this mirror sheen. Kind Ooh. Of. And that's going to come into play later when it comes to some of their abilities. Um, they're also noted to have extremely long tails, and I saw some of the artwork, and like their tails are like twice the uh, length of their body. Wow, okay. Um, it looks really elegant and and really cool, but... Uh, like a gymnast with that fucking thing? That yeah, it looks like, exactly. It looks like a really long ribbon sash, if you will. <laughs> so, um, furthermore, Mercury Dragons are noted to be... Oh, I already said this. They're noted to be the fastest besides yellows. Um, this is in combat. Like, not only can they literally like go in a straight line really quickly, they can change directions, like... Instantly. On a, on a dime. Like a UFO. Like, oh, sweet. So, there you go. Yeah. Personality-wise, Mercuries are fun-loving and generally irresponsible creatures with a variety is the spice of life attitude. Um, yeah, the variety thing's really important to them. Um, 
if they don't have it, they start to have problems. Okay. Um, They are highly curious and easily bored uh, because of this. Mercuries are some of the most well-traveled of all dragon kind. They don't like staying in the same place. They don't like to see the same shit every day. They like like new stuff all the time. Okay. So a mercury dragon who whose life lacks the variety, like I was saying, will begin to feel like their life has kind of fallen into a rut. (laughs) Such mercury dragons will grow increasingly irritable, angry, and even violent. Okay. Like, if they're not getting the variety they need, they might just attack you just to change things up. Oh, what? Yeah. So why? They're kind of crazy. So what scenario could we put this dragon in to keep it at home base uh, to get that way? I don't know. Wizard traps one in a fucking cave. Oh, fuck. And it's okay. been there for- Goddamn wizards. I know. It's been there for always 10 years. fucking with nature. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, <laughs> wizards are always fucking with nature. Yeah. So they, uh, you, you, okay. So you capture one, mm-hmm. keep it as your pet that you don't walk. Or <laughs> right, you, right, okay. Which is abusive. Or yeah. you, or if one gets trapped in like an elemental plane. Oh God, can you imagine one that gets stuck in like Barovia, like this grim <laughs> On dark? Accident? It's yeah, just like, Ugh, I already killed Strahd. Like, yeah, what, do I, do like, what do I do now? Yeah, like this place sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Mercury Dragon would go insane there. That's for sure. So due to their sporadic nature, Mercury Dragons have a great difficulty like actually forming close bonds with people. Because they can't, they're unreliable, and yeah, they're not like, gonna get to know. Take the time. The people to get to are know boring you. to them, anyways, and yeah, so exactly, yeah, they just they they tend to be loners by nature because they they can't make friends, right? So it's, this is like the aloof dragon, yeah, and even the friends they do have, it's like a really shallow relationship, you know? But yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. So Mercury dragons like to make their layers in locations with variety, like so. An example that's given is like a high snowy mountain that has like a volcanic core at the bottom. So it's like they're getting a little bit of both. Okay, yeah. And especially better if it's like above a completely different terrain way, way below. Sure. Yeah, okay. Snowy mountain top, volcanic core, beautiful forest below. That's nice. like prime real estate for a Mercury Dragon. Okay, change um, it up. I'm feeling change it up. I want to take a hot Have sauna bath or whatever. I can go down here. Okay, I got indeed, you. Indeed. Um Mercury Dragons never managed to Okay, so that would be the ideal location for a Mercury Dragon. But most Mercury Dragons never manage to actually carve out a layer at all. They're just too they 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 can't focus because it takes too much time to get exactly to, to do and that. how do they even decide like most places are boring anyways like even if they do find a location yeah why make why spend the time to make this place when i'm just gonna get tired of it exactly and want to leave anyway so okay. most of them most of them never do and the ones that the ones that do have layers it's usually because those layers are provided for them but by, by other creatures who are willing and able to provide and maintain a layer for them because that's the other part of it you found the location, you made the layer, you're not actually bored in those locations, but now you have to actually spend time to maintain it. Ugh, who wants to do that? Indeed, uh, Not the Mercury Dragon. No, it's not into sweeping. <laughs> exactly. So if, let's say there's a wizard or genie or king who's like, yo, I would love to have a dope dragon that will like protect me and do stuff for me, so I'll provide for you like this dope-ass castle with a billion servants that'll take care of it for you. Mercury oh. Dragon might take them up on that offer. Okay. That if most Mercury Dragons that have a lair, it's because of a situation similar to that. So he's got a bunch of servants that are like, now dance. <laughs> yeah, dance for me. Uh, no, stop that one. New dance. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it would be. Um, 
So as one would imagine, uh, Mercury Dragons diet and horde kind of reflect their fickle nature. Uh, they always prefer the new, exciting thing to what they've had before. Okay. And that's just a general rule. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how cool or tasty the thing is. If they've had it before, they'd rather have the new thing. Mm -hmm. It's just who and what they are. Um, Mercury Dragons, kind of like Steels, are nonviolent by nature, um, but they have a lot of weapons in their arsenal, uh, more than most dragons. So they have spells, they have claws, they have their bite. Um, their breath weapon, depending on your di your addition, is either poison or, in a much cooler uh, version, a flaming light beam. What? So, <laughs> like a, basically okay. a laser beam coming out of their fucking mouth. Okay. Um, poison makes sense. Poison makes sense because of mercury. Yeah. Uh, light beam is just as fucking cool. Flaming so. poisonous light beam. <laughs> yeah, there we just go. Just smash them up. <laughs> now it does everything. But the, the two most notable unique abilities about the uh, mercury dragon are, number one, their quicksilver transformation. So... Uh, with this transformation, a Mercury Dragon transforms into a pool of Quicksilver that can move and climb. Okay. And it's like almost like a Quicksilver ooze, and it can squeeze through any hole no matter how small. It's like an amorphous Marvel superhero. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly right. It could just do that. I could just do I could just become a fucking pudding. Exactly. Oh, God. And I can climb walls. I can move through like a keyhole. I can do whatever I want. I can fill your thermometer and make it work good. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> um, and the other thing that they can do is they have this ability to angle their wings in such a way to re reflect and focus the sun's light into a fucking laser beam off their mirror-like skin. Oh, shit. Like yeah. Greek boats or whatever. What? Didn't Greek people do that? I, I don't like know. Ancient Greeks had like giant mirrors that they thought could like laser beam people. Like they would, <laughs> they would set them up on the like ports and stuff mm -hmm. to like burn the sails away of ships. Did it work? I've I never heard of this. I don't think it worked. I'm going to look into this. I think it was on Mythbusters. Okay. I don't think it worked. I think I that don't myth think... was busted. Okay, for sure. But <laughs> not in this but game. No, not but no, Dungeon... Mercury Dragons, they could definitely not set in, your fucking boat on not fire. Not Dungeons Dragons. <laughs> they don't need fire breath. They'll do it with their fucking skin. Yeah, I don't need to waste my recharge ability <laughs> on this fucking boat. Time to die, boat. Uh, any questions about Mercury Dragons? Um, they they're so they feel so unrelatable to me. Yeah, I agree. I think they're supposed to. They're supposed to be just completely like much like Fey creatures to me. That's okay. what they reminded me of. For sure. Oh, Would you that... put one in the Fey? Mm. Is it like like? I mean, you could. I'm just saying like. Their alien mindedness is fae-like in nature because of its fickleness. That would be a cool thing to come across in the fae as like a dragon that found its home there because it liked the constant change of the fae wilds. I would say Mercury Dragons would fucking love the fae wilds. So yeah, there I think it. it's a really good habitat for them. That would be so cool. Uh, and the, the worst place for them would be the Shadowfell. Okay. Absolute worst place. Yeah. And that being said, let's take a short rest. Let's do it. All right. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode we're not talking about the last thing we're talking about. We're talking about this new thing and it comes from within us. Our hearts, our beating hearts, they reach out to you, listener. Thank you for turning on the show and listening to it at a volume, which uh, is good for your ears. Hopefully you're not listening too loud. I love you. I don't want you to blow your ears out on our voices. Indeed. Will, tell them. I also do not want you to blow your ears out on our voices. And? And I love you. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, if you uh, love us too and you want to help us out, please tell somebody about the show that you think might like it or you think should just listen to it because um, it really helps us a lot. Uh, it's our like main way of trafficking our brand. So, it's the main way that we grow is by you guys sharing the show. So, so we appreciate it whenever you guys do. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so we have some special people we want to thank. Um, starting with, let me just... Uh, I'm going to start with you, Stephen Poor. Poor, poor. Thank you, Stephen Poor. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, and thank you, Matthew Bullock Fishner. Thank you, Matthew. And thank you, Garrett Hawkins. Thank you, Garrett. And thank you, Lorenzo Arena. Thank you, Lorenzo. And thank you, Kevin Thompson. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Canyon Smith. Thank you, Canyon. Uh, and thank you, Jacob N. Swain. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you, Patrick Ryan. <laughs> thank you, Patrick. Uh, and yeah, that's, um, oh, wow. that's, that's a, a big long list. Yeah. yeah. That's Thank probably you guys. the longest list we've ever read. Thank <laughs> you for, uh, for coming and supporting the show. Um, we got some big hitters this last time, so thank you guys. Uh, your NPCs will be appearing in our uh, Super, Quest saga. Super Quest saga. So with that, we're going to get back to the show. So let's back get back to the, to the show. show. And we're back. We've returned. And we got three more dragons to talk about. How many? Three more. Okay. How many do you think I said? I don't know. It sounded like you said... Whoa. Okay, no, three more dragons. Uh, we're going to talk about iron dragons next. Uh, these guys are dicks, and let's get, let's get into it. So there's two versions of the iron dragon. One is written about in Dragon Magazine 356, uh, in which uh, there's an entire new category of dragons called the ferrous dragons, which include iron, steel, cobalt, nickel, and chromium. The steel one isn't the same steel one that we just talked about, um, but it's what? mostly the same. Um, what? Okay. 
So we're getting into some lore that's really conflicting and all over the place. So, okay. Um, like that's not fair. Steel and Mercury Dragons have been around since second edition. Okay. And so there, there was multiple sources throughout the editions and it was all cohesive. Um, the idea of an Iron Dragon didn't come about actually until this article, at least as far as I could tell. So this article didn't come out until third edition. From, okay. what, from what I can tell, 356 is pretty high in the numbers of the Dragon Magazines. So in this um, Dragon Magazine edition, this author, who I can't remember the name of because I didn't bother to actually look, um, mm -hmm. came up with this idea of the Ferris Dragons, like the heavy metal dragons. And sure. most of these dragons are dickheads. Um, and this is the original source for Iron Dragons. Iron Dragons get a whole other source later on, a fourth edition in the Draconomicon 2. Okay. And they are similar-ish in that they're both assholes. Um, that kind of ride the line between neutral and evil, but they are kind of different in nature. So we're going to talk a little bit about both of them. Interesting. Um, same with the cobalt dragons. Nickel chromium, nickel dragons, chromium dragons, and tungsten dragons, which are also part of this article, and it's the only source on these esoteric dragons, are going to be included in our like exotic dragons episode. We're going to cover nickel, chromium, tungsten. We're going to cover cloud dragons, mist dragons, orium dragons, adamantine dragons, and adamantite dragons. Like that'll be that'll be a fun episode, but not today. Today we're talking about iron dragons. Okay, so uh, here we go. Are iron dragons the uh, enemy of whimsical magical things? Kinda, yeah. Okay. I mean, in a way, that lines up. <laughs> yeah, it does line up. Let's get into it. So, um, in either version of the iron dragon, they have coarse, heavy dark gray, almost black metallic scales. And they have what is considered to be the thickest hides of all dragons. Ooh. As um as they age <laughs> it was a weird ooh, but we're gonna continue. As they age, they develop breast marks near their joints and on their wings. Okay. Um their head is shaped uh it's got like a, a like a spade shovel shape kind of like, okay. Like a like a spade shovel, yeah. And uh, uh on the top of their head they have like a crown of like thick horns. So wait, like their whole body is like spade shaped? No, no, just their like their face. Oh, just their face. Their okay. head, yeah. Uh, and it has spiked plates down its neck and back. So okay. it's this really badass looking dragon. Sure. It kind of reminds me of the gray dragon with less spines. Does it have really um, like um, wide, like girthy? It's a like, bulky. Back legs? It's a bulky. It's a bulky boy. That's, That's what for I sure. Yeah. So it is. I was gonna ask, but it, the description revealed it. Okay. It's thick Why? with two C's. Indeed, indeed yeah. it is. <laughs> so both versions of Iron Dragons are assholes. The Dragon Magazine version has a superior superiority complex and considers itself to be the greatest of all dragon kind and, <laughs> and, and the king of all fairest dragons. Uh, it makes a point to fight red dragons on site just to prove this. Okay. Uh, that being said, Iron Dragons are at that same top tier power level of of dragonhood so like they can hang oh, with, so they are up there they are up there so okay. they can hang with reds blues golds and silvers nice. like you know they're they're at that level so but they're the it's prince not of all, all sands they're the prince of all sands okay so they're vegeta yeah wow. so this version is uh violent and strong but it's also calculating and has a goal of world domination the 4e version the one in the draconomicon 2 is far less goal oriented okay <laughs> Sure. <laughs> the 4 version of the Iron Dragon is more of a brutish, instinctual monster. I'm just going to run around fighting everything. Kind of. They're governed by their passions of hunger, greed, and the desire to be feared. Um, okay, sweet. The worst of... The worst of Iron Dragons are angry, violent killers. Well, like the bus, at best, they're just sullen, reclusive jerks yeah, with okay. high levels of irritability. So this is like sand to freeze this saga. Like yeah, there we go. Um, most Iron Dragons are evil. Some of them are just neutral asshole. 
Okay. So there it is. 4E Iron Dragons prefer making their layers in thick, thorny bramble um, of like forests and whatnot, mm-hmm. where their thick hide protects them and basically impedes the thorns, impede everyone else. Okay. Yeah. So thick, th- thick thighs do sense. save lives. Yeah, indeed. It's life. Indeed. It's true. Not yeah. other lives. Yeah, not other lives. <laughs> um, the Dragon Magazine Irons choose to live deep within mountains and hills near veins of iron ore, which they both eat and hoard. There was some uh, lore that says that they required to reproduce. It really didn't get into the details, and I didn't want to know the details. Yeah, required to reproduce? It's just said, Or you, like, well up from within and die from ruptures? (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. All I know is the iron dragons need iron, and they eat it, and they live with it, and they love it. God made dragons, and he was like, make sure you mate. And they're like, okay, or what? And he's like, don't worry about it. And then they never heard from him again. Because of these iron dragons' natural uh, inclination to live near iron ore, they actually come into contention with dwarves commonly who are trying to mine that ore. Okay. Or having that ore taken from them by <laughs> iron dragons. Like the dwarves are breaking through the cave wall and they're like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Iron dragons and they're like, mm? <laughs> Right. Exactly. That probably fucking blasts them. Um, so iron dragons are physically powerful, much like a gray dragon. Remember the gray dragon? We just talked about it. Yeah, I remember. The gray dragon is made of rocks. Not exactly. It's eating rocks. It's onyx. It was just onyx. No, not really. Wasn't it super aggressive? Super aggressive. It was like a rock. Majorly brutal. A hippopotamus made of rocks. Sure. (laughs) Anyways, iron dragons are just as aggressive. And they, when they fight, they tend to actually prefer melee combat rather than like flight and spells and whatnot. (laughs) I want to fuck you up with these hands. (laughs) Right, exactly. They do have two breaths though. Uh, The first is the shower of superheated sparks. Think like a welding torch, like the sparks. Like they're just like flexing their throat muscles and just like like shooting. Grinding (laughs) steel. Oh God. Fucking cool. Um, the second grinding is, iron, grinding iron. Sorry, uh, their second is just like a cone of sleeping gas, which is just useful, really. So, <laughs> okay, so there that is. I don't know where I got these sleep abilities, but here you go. <laughs> right. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's Iron Dragons. Uh-huh. I don't know if you got any questions about these jerks. Um, are they like just going into the Fey and extincting it out, like going into dwarven caverns and extincting them out? Um. Dwarves, yes. Fey, probably not. Like, why would Iron Dragon ever want to go to the Fey? I know. It would probably be like, I need to go to the Fey and really fuck shit up, so I'm going to teleport an Iron Dragon there. Yeah, that would be a good it's way like to do it. fucking invincible there, right? I mean, definitely uh, formidable. That's okay. for sure. I'm sure the Fey, the Fey are powerful. They can do something about it. But they're weak. They're, okay, yeah. so in we're going to use the Name of the Wind, which has nothing to do with Dungeons & Dragons, but there's a really cool scene, spoilers for Name of the Wind, where... One character invokes the name of Iron on a Fey character, and the Fey character almost fucking kills him for it. Because he's like, yeah, that hurt, but that will never kill me. It's just really fucking uncomfortable. It's like Kryptonite, where it looks like it's going to kill Superman all the yeah. time, but it actually you actually <laughs> can't kill Superman. Yeah. It really fucking hurts, but it ain't going to kill him. Even like writers in the 80s couldn't really kill Superman. No. Not really. He's Superman. I mean, they they said he died, but like, what the (laughs) fuck happened then? (laughs) Look at all these books. He couldn't be dead. Of course not. So, so yeah, any other questions about Iron Dragons before we move on? No. Okay. Well, after I drink this water, we're going to talk about Cobalt Dragons. Cobalt Dragons. No, Cobalt Dragons. Cobalt Dragons. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Funnily enough, in Dragon Magazine 356, it actually (laughs) tries to... Uh, retcon the origin of the name of kobolds comes from the cobalt dragons and like people for a time thought kobolds originated from the cobalt dra- it was really stupid and i ignored it and like the undercommon of cobalt is kobold because yeah. they can't say it right or whatever yeah they were trying sure. to work in this false etymology it was it was kind of cool but i 
Lame. Anyways, kobold dragons are grim and sullen creatures who rule their territory strictly and very directly. Uh, they generally subjugate lesser creatures in their territory and suffer no travelers to move through their territory unless those travelers uh, journey to them and bend the knee and pay tribute to them as like Lord of the Land or whatever. Yeah, if you're not showing up to worship, then you don't Behold my here. magnanimity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. So uh, That's the sign that's over their door. You know, it's like, <laughs> right, it says, like some people have like God bless his home. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. So kobolds are... Um, they're dragons with a thick, stocky build, kind of like the Iron Dragon. Uh, they have dark blue scales, and they the, their main unique qualifying feature is a pair of like goat-like horns that crown its head. Okay, sure. Um, they prefer to make their ho- homes in like gloomy, cold areas of the world. Uh, frigid tundras, gray mist-bound veils, snowy forests, etc. Um, they'll carve out their layers in glaciers or like wet gorges. Generally, they just don't like the heat. Okay, you know, sure. Keep it cold. Make them happy. Yeah, they thick too. They like the the yeah exactly the chilly weather exactly. Um, the best way to describe kobolds is by saying that they have control issues. Remember, I was saying mental illness. Yeah, yeah. These guys have have control, like serious <laughs> control issues. They have to control everything yeah. around them all the time. First they, and foremost, they're borders. What? Like oh like yeah, their yeah. territory. Exactly. They have fierce, unyielding desire to hold and control anything that they deem important. Uh, wealth, lands, like you were just saying, oh. and their servants. Uh, more so than wealth and physical power, kobolds measure their might and worth according to the amount of territory they hold swayed over, nice. the, the extent that their influence actually like kind of works within their lands, and the strength of the people slash creatures that they dominate and rule over. Okay. So kobolds, for instance, like a kobold would be fairly pleased at like basically owning uh, an orc horde. Sure. Like, yeah. Super dope. A kobold would be more happy owning an entire human kingdom with like knights and warriors and whatnot. Oh, like that's even yeah. that's even better. So mm-hmm. like that's how they measure like their success and their stature in life. Okay. Um they usually maintain um the their their levels of like how much land and territory they command through demanding fear and respect from all others. So they're very forceful and demanding uh to all they meet. And in general, they're just bullies and tyrants that are a best lawful neutral. It's like somebody playing The Sims. What do you mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like God over, like, all these yeah. avatars. Sure, yeah. I guess there's some similarities there. So their favorite treasures are the weapons and armors of defeated challengers and foes. They just love to gloat. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, yeah, I remember when I defeated Simon the Mighty. His head is like on so a, mighty. His head is like dried out on a mantle. Like it's there. more like uh, he still has a sword, and it's just sitting okay. in the pile. They have a trophy. Yeah, exactly. To prove they're just sitting on a pile of swords of everyone they fucking killed. <laughs> <laughs> they just love it. <laughs> so in battles, kobolds are fierce combatants that throw themselves recklessly amidst their foes. They're like, um, I would say, less like a reckless barbarian and more like, like the gung ho fighter who's like thinks that like. Only the cowardly stand back. You know, the the brave and the strong just throw themselves into it. That's yeah. how the kobolds feel about it. Like they're the they're bringing the knife to the gunfight. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, they prefer to freeze their targets with their breath of cold before savagely mulling them. That's their preferred <laughs> method of kill. Oh, that's pretty cool though. Like, it is, it I'll is. turn you into block of ice. I'll break the block of ice. Yeah. In turn, breaking you. Indeed. Yeah. There you go. Cool. I like it. So that's that's the the rundown on kobolds. And you got any questions about kobold dragons? Mm-mm. Pretty straightforward. Um, I don't know. To me, they're kind of one of the more boring dragons we've talked about today. It's yeah, it is straightforward. They have I a guess. cool look. They don't have like all the versatility that like a Mercury dragon would. 
Like mm. you could do anything with it. And part of that is there's just less lore on these guys. Like I'm literally trying to give you guys everything I got, but most of these most of uh these dragons we're talking about now, they only have one source, so it's like super limited yeah, what there is to talk like, about. It's called a cobalt dragon. Think about it. Yeah. And here's a stat block. Yeah, and the thing is a lot of the older um source books, they really it's not like fifth edition. Like I you've kind of only been exposed to fifth edition. Fifth edition really spoils us on the amount of lore they give us on any monster. Like you open up the monster manual, you you got that little stat block, and you got like a page or two or three of At just lore. Yeah, yeah. You don't get that in the old books. Like oh. you go to open the third edition monster manual, you'll get like maybe three sentences of lore, and then nothing but stats after that. Yeah. Okay. So they're leaving it more up to the player and the dungeon master, which to is write cool. out the lore. Yeah, which is totally cool. But like when it comes to trying to parse out what what is canon. And like what's throughout like the different novels and the different settings and what's established, it can make it difficult to gather all that information in one place. That's probably why they latch on to certain like settings to flesh out the lore. It's because like, oh, well, in this world, they're this. But like they want to maintain like this is a free open world. Write whatever right. you want. Right. Here are just some. This is like the style of game we're playing where there are ogres and orcs right. and elves. Right, uh, medieval high fantasy. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. So uh, that being said, you, I don't know if you've noticed, but like Iron Dragons, Cobalt Dragons, we got through those a lot faster than Mercury. Oh, or, yeah. Or, and it's just yeah. because there's just less to there's talk about. There's just less there. Yeah. So final final dragon we're going to talk about today is the Mithril Dragon. Only one source on these bad boys, uh, fourth edition Dragonomicon 2. They're really fucking cool and unique, and I, I like them. Um, I honestly probably would have ended up saving them for the esoteric dragon episode, um, but I hadn't made that decision by the time I'd done all the notes. I'm like, ah, screw it. We'll just throw them in. Five dragons. I mean, it's not like it doesn't belong in this category. Mithril's fucking dope. Mithril is dope, and it is metal. So Mithril's like an elvish thing, right? Like, they Um, they work Mithril? In Tolkien's world, dwarves and elves tend to be the ones that work with Mithril. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't. I would definitely say it's not an elven thing exclusively because dwarves get all up. In okay, that but it's just super rare, high power metal, like um, like just very strong, exactly workable, just super magical, strong. Metal. How does that compare to like adamantine? Adamantium. Uh, adamantium Which, is Marvel. Adamantine is D and D. So Wolverine. And then so adamantine is, is like really heavy. It's it's a black metal. It's extraordinarily heavy and mm-hmm. it's completely uh, unbreakable. Okay. It's kind of its steel. It doesn't really have magical properties. It's just an unbreakable metal. Okay, cool. Uh, while Mithril, I believe, does have magical properties. All right. But yeah, Mithril Dragons. So it's a whole dragon of it. Let's go. Yeah. Mithril Dragons are noble, majestic beings that uh, make their homes in the Astral Sea and the upper Ooh. planes of D&D. Oh, wow. Yeah. They don't live in the mortal world. Um, they're more mighty than even gold dragons. But it doesn't matter because they don't live anywhere near gold dragons. So. Yeah, you're not going to run into those bad boys unless you're on like a god mission. Exactly. Um, in their setting of fourth edition, they're unrivaled in power. Um, in a way, they live completely outside of the hierarchy of the dragons of power because not only are they in a completely separate plane most of the time, all the time, um, their mentalities are just kind of really out there. These guys are really alien minded, and we're going to get into it. Mm. Um, they are in their very nature incredibly mysterious and unknowable. So Mithril's physically, the way they look is they have these soft glowing silver scales with streaks of white throughout. Um, Their head is crowned by a ring of spikes and its wings are actually not made of flesh. They're made of radiant energy. 
Just radiant wings of light. Hell yeah. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Mithril's have a great wisdom about them. And this is due to the fact that not only are they fucking immortal because they live where people don't age, but um, they also are naturally inclined to have prophetic visions of the future. Ooh, so they that's live, cool. Yeah, they live their lives according to interpretation of these visions. And they usually each individual mithril dragon will have some sort of enigmatic purpose that they spend their entire lives trying to advance. Oh my God. It's like that's so Raven when you have the vision and it manipulates you to do the thing that right. happens in the vision. Well, yeah, sure. It's yeah, like, that's a common trope like, amongst visions. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, sure. Um, like we need this to happen. So we're going to show you it. So it happens. Exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> and you're going to um, think you're going to avoid it, but you fucking but can't. You can't. Because it's a prophecy. But because you tried to avoid it, you made it happen. Right. Like, exactly. oh God, I it's, fucking... It's, it's a paradox. Uh, um, so some, I would even say most Mithril's uh, believe that these visions come from the Allfather Dragon deity, Io, which, depending on your edition, there's different Io's. So, like, Io is a living, actual deity in most uh, settings. He's the father of Tiamat Muhammad. He's the neutral slash lawful neutral father deity of all dragon kind is it like a, is a god or a titan he's an like all he's he's okay so there are like levels of god yeah yeah so you have uh we talk about minor deities um depending on your addition sometimes there's intermediate deities mm-hmm. and then you have greater deities like uh coral and Lorethian and whatnot but then you have what are called um god what are they called super deities yeah they're like super deities but that's not what they're called <laughs> they're um over deities that's what they're called um and there are only a few key over deities, and they're like so far above and beyond that they just never deal with mortals, and mortals cannot even begin to understand them. They're the gods of gods. Yes. Uh, and that's what Io is. He's an over deity of all dragon kind. Okay. Um, but dragons, being the super powerful, dope monstrosities that they are, are much closer in power level to the gods. So, like, they actually do invoke Io, unlike humans who don't invoke Ao, who is like the over deity of everything in Forgotten Realms. Okay. That's a fucking story for another day. Anyways, Io in 4th edition is a little bit different, being that Bahamut and Tiamat aren't the children of Io in 4th edition. They are two halves of Io that were split during the Dawn War. Right. So, in 4th edition, which is where Mithril Dragons are from, they feel like their visions are from the, the shadow of Io. You know that used to exist but doesn't exist anymore. Oh. So to them, they're like they're following the true purpose of all dragon kind because it's what their all father would want. Oh God, these are like they're they're like listening in. They're like tuned into the echoes of their their godfather creator. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. If anyone's uh, read the Stormlight Archives, uh, it's a lot like the Stormfather telling uh, Knights Radiant what to do. I'm just gonna leave it there so there's no spoilers. Oh, Anyone what? who's read those books, there's knows the thing what I'm you said. About. It's going right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, shoot. that wasn't for you. That was for very key people <laughs> that I'm sure read Stormlight Archives. Okay. Um, because they make their home amongst the immortal planes, uh, Mithril dragons don't need to eat, <laughs> and okay. thus, and thus they rarely ever do. Um, they generally hoard no wealth either, uh, and they carve out their. Li- they never really carve out layers either, unless their visions guide them to do so. <laughs> unless they get like told to go do it. Right. Exactly. And they're like, no, I won't carve a layer. And then somehow they end up carving a layer by the end of the episode anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, another thing that makes the Mithril's mysterious by nature is not just the visions and their weird purpose and the fact that they're immortal and they don't fucking eat so no one can relate to them. It's also that they're really solitary. They kind of don't spend time with anybody else. And even when they do, they almost never speak. Mm. So, like, they're just really fucking mysterious and weird. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> um, 
they, they don't even associate with other mithril's. They're just super solo, Dolo. Super solo. But because of their immortal lives and their proximity to the gods, they usually end up getting pulled into like the ploys and plots of gods. You know, they'll feel like their visions are coming from a specific deity or like that a, their vision tells them they should get involved with a specific deity and they become like really religious kind of uh, agents of gods. Like King Leonidas climbs that mountain to see those three witches, the seers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or what's that? Was that it? The oracles. Might be best. Is that, did that happen? I mean, so that happened. I, I'm failing to see how it's haunt. related, but yeah. I just Macbeth myself. No, a no, bit. there should be three. There's three oracles. Three? Well, I don't know about the movie. I'm just talking about Greek mythology. There's oh, three oracles. Yeah. And Macbeth, there's three witches that are like doing that. Yeah, too. It's, like, it's a common thing. Okay, sure. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, it's like that. It's like uh, mm. the gods are like telling the seer to like do, they're giving the seer like the information to tell the mortal. Sure, yeah. Okay. They're, like, they're, except for that, they never tell the mortal because Mithril's don't talk. <laughs> okay. But there is some similarities there. That's for sure. Anything else? I was thinking about that thing I was thinking. No. Okay. There's <laughs> nothing else. So um, Mithril's in battle are kind of terrifying to behold. Uh, they breathe uh, beams of radiant light. They can teleport at will. What? So they just flit about the battlefield teleporting. Um, and they can use their future sight to predict foes' actions, both defensively <laughs> and offensively. Okay. Um, plus, you know, they're a fucking dragon, so they're very powerful. Yeah, well, this one has fucking jetpacks instead of wings. Yeah, it's got jetpacks instead of wings. It's got a laser back, beam instead of breath. Propelling. It can see the future yeah. like a supercomputer can predict your movements. Like, yeah, oh. they're a giant robot dragon. It's chess on hard mode. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Okay. Um, so, yeah, any questions about Mithril's? Um, no, God, what? What are these things? <laughs> they're, they're just like these celestial dragons, if you yeah. will, almost. They almost do nothing. It's like they, they might as nothing. well not be there. They're To me, they're just this really cool thing that could exist in your world, and it, um, it'd be really easy to introduce one of your campaign by saying, like, oh, this Mithril has a vision. It's going to come, and it's going to fuck with you guys, and you're not going to even understand the reasons, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it because it's a fucking Mithril dragon. Yeah, because it's going to fucking teleport away from whatever you do to it and yeah. show up behind you and fucking yeah. hit you like, with Destructo Disc or whatever. Like, if you want to introduce a uh, powerful NPC to your campaign that isn't like a god or a demon lord or a devil, um, a Mithril Dragon's a pretty good candidate. It's like, you guys will win the campaign one day. Poof. Yeah, sure. I could even see a Mithril Dragon being like a celestial uh, patron for a warlock. Oh, okay, that that's cool. That'd be pretty cool. It's like, here's your jetpack. Right. Have a good day. So... <laughs> If you don't have any more questions about Mithril Dragons, like I said before, we're going. We're, I've moved Adamantine and Orium Dragons for an episode in another day, um, and that episode is going to probably come after we do the Gem Dragons episode, which we'll have to do at some point because Gem Dragons are a huge part of Dragon Lore. Sometime this year, yeah. So we'll do. We're doing solo Dragon episodes. We got red, silvers, golds, all that stuff. Getting really into the details and like running one year campaign. Um, we'll do another lore episode on gem dragons, and then eventually we'll do these esoteric exotic dragons and okay. kind of bunch them all into one or two episodes. We're, when we're doing solo dragons, we should do like month of the dragon. It's the year of the dragon, <laughs> but this dragon. is like the month of the dragon. I'll be into that. We'll, we'll 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 work something out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. And with that being said, let's get ready um, to take a long get, rest. Exactly. Yeah. Let's do that. So, what do we want to talk about today, Brian? Well, first I'm going to take uh, my toothbrush and brush my teeth. And then oh. I'm going to wash my face. Good adventurer. And, uh, and then I'm going to set my bedroll up. No, uh, we're going to talk about um, Super Quest Saga. Okay. What do you want to talk about, Super Quest Saga? Well, I want you to tell me what it is. Okay, Super Quest Saga is a game that I run on the channel that you guys play in. You, Jake, and the Josh. The YouTube channel. 
on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Yes, sorry for all those podcast listeners. Uh, and it's an ongoing campaign uh, that takes place in space. It's a, like a space cyberpunk 5e D&D game. Yeah, which, so if you guys want to check out our YouTube channel, um, 10K is coming up. Uh, hit the subscribe yeah. and like buttons. That really helps a lot. We're getting a really good positive response to Super Quest Saga. Um, yeah, we are. It's now really that we have cool. a good chunk of episodes, you know, our first arc is done. Mm-hmm. It's been really cool to see everybody's responses to it. It's been a lot of fun to play in the game. Highly, highly, highly recommend. We're all finding ourselves as characters. <laughs> it's been really fun. It's been a lot of fun. And since it's the year of the dragon, I'll say when dragons get introduced in this episode, shit's going to get wild because uh, it's 200,000 years in the future. Are you just, did you just tell me that we're going to do dragons in the uh, next one we record? No, I did not. And uh, I'm not saying that oh, either. I'm saying eventually. Episode. I said eventually when dragons so we're recording this, this week. Campaign. I know. I'm okay. no spoilers. I'm All just right. saying you're likely to see a dragon at some point. And oh it's yeah, gonna be wild. There's one in our thumbnail. It looks like it's got feathers coming off of it. Yeah, that's something else entirely. Oh god. <laughs> um, let's talk about sometimes we play video games and then sometimes we play video games and we record it and indeed our audio and stuff. Indeed. And we actually got a new series on our TDC Place channel, which is on YouTube and will be down in the description, uh, called Smash Sundays, where me and Brian get together and we play some Smash every fucking Sunday. I think we're calling it the Diaries of a Smash Brother. Oh, are we calling it that? Or the di- it could be the Diaries of Smash of a, of some Smash Brothers. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Either way, every Sunday we got Smash Brothers coming to you. Uh, I'm not very good at the game. Hopefully I'm getting better. Brian's very good at the game, and hopefully I can help him get better because I think he wants to compete. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that I want to do. It's really hard to find locals. You need like a Facebook. Oh, yeah, because apparently Facebook still exists to help you coordinate. You must sell your soul. You sell your soul to fucking what's that guy's name? Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) And apparently Russia. And apparently Russia. Anyway. uh, um, That's hilarious. Let's uh, let's talk about our social media. I guess so. Yeah, we're on Twitter. Uh, I do a lot of polls on Twitter. I do a lot of D&D memes on Twitter. Um, and people seem to like the content. So if you want more, D- uh, people GDC seem to content, like the Twitter. You might too. <laughs> you might go too. Find yeah, it. go find At it. The Dungeon Cast. People yeah. seem to like our Instagram account. It's the Dungeon Cast. You can go find it on the app Instagram. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. We have an email where we talk to people, and sometimes they ask. And us we could talk to you if yeah. you send an email to us at thedungeoncast@gmail.com. Yeah. Right now we're talking at you. If you want to yeah. talk to us, it'll have to be electronically. Yeah. Or if you are part of our Patreon. Uh, the Battle Royale is coming up and we will be talking to everybody that's participating. So thank you, everybody, for helping us get to our goal. The Battle Royale is coming. It's very it complicated coming. and hard to run, but we're going to do we're it. We're going to do it. Yeah, because we love you guys. Yeah. We said we would. Indeed. <laughs> we keep our word to our fans. It's a level 20 uh, Battle Royale. Indeed. It's level 20 characters. Keep the cheese out of this game. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't make please don't make me maul you with a bear shark, which is <laughs> one of the penalties. Happen. We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh yeah, and uh, speaking of talking to us, uh, we have a Discord where where you can talk to us like directly all the time. Pretty much, yeah. Basically, at will TDC, I'll I'll read it and re- reply. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you should check that out because the invitation's in the uh, description. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to talk about ad space, the dungeoncast at gmail That's where you can talk to us about stuff. There we have our. Um, pre-roll spot is opening up in soon eventually eventually <laughs> maybe uh maybe. anyway hit us up because it's first come first serve we also have short uh rest and pre-roll or post-roll ad space Indeed. and that's all i got that's all i got all right well with that being said uh we i think we can call it a game let's call it a game and we'll talk to you guys later goodbye But... <laughs>
I don't feel like I can do the show every I've, time we sit down to do because it. Because I've done it so many times. <laughs> like the science proves that it can be done. Yeah, it's there's unquestioning, I think, at this point yeah. that we can do a podcast. Just every time we sit down, I don't feel like I can. The last one was rough. Uh, like ten minutes in, I was like, I don't know if we're gonna be able to finish this minute. Harsh. <laughs> I, I that was one of my favorite episodes we ever did. It was really good. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons from... I did. I, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> from those things on the favor. Magical Madness, Music Musicians. <laughs> Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.